0: Praise the Lord. Can you believe the ridiculousness happening in our society right now? Can you believe the ridiculousness in our culture right now? All right? I, wanna, I want to, before we get into the message this morning, I, I feel the need to speak on something that uh, came forward this last week. Of course, we know that January 20th, we have President Biden, right? And we pray for, we should be praying for President Biden praying for Vice President Harris, for the leadership, praying that God would move upon their lives, that God would speak to them, that they would heed that voice and do according to his word, amen? That's Our prayer should be that. Our prayer should be for their well-being. Our prayer should be for them to be successful in leading this country where it needs to go. But I will say this very clearly. There are some places that people want to take this country that are just ungodly. And we have to be clearly aware of those things, right? And we pray against those things, and we pray against that darkness. And we pray that God would move and convict and convince of his righteousness. Amen? Amen. I also want to say this. We are a, uh, we are a church under the fellowship or under the umbrella of the Fellowship of Christian Assemblies. It is a Pentecostal organization. There is a, uh, I grew up under what we call Pentecostal or Charismatic uh, movement, right? And so within kind of more of the Pentecostal Charismatic movement, there are those who, uh, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in prophecy. We believe in the offices. We believe in the, the office of a prophet, teacher, pastor, you know, All those good things, we've talked about those things before. This last week, um, I think about four or five at least, people that said they were prophets of God, that prophesied about President Trump having a second term and all the different things that went along with it. They went online, or they went to the internet, you know, they put out a post apologizing. They put out a post basically saying they were wrong. As Christians, we need to be careful and have discernment over who we listen to. Our first reference should always be the Word of God. I don't care who speaks it. I don't care what his position is. I don't care what church he's in charge of or what ministry he's in charge of. If they say it and it doesn't line up with the Word of God, dismiss it. Amen? We have to be aware of that. I I, I say this as a warning because how many know there's a lot of stuff said leading up to this election? There's a lot of things said leading up to this election. And the truth is that many people have had to repent. Some have chosen with humility and, I think, with courage to say, I was wrong. I apologize, I am sorry, please help me do better moving forward, right? And so we respect, to me that's mad respect to those who who have done that. Uh, To those who have not, I pray that they will. And we would pray that God would move and move mightily in this country, amen? We really do. But we also understand that no matter who speaks what, if it doesn't line up with the word of God, we need to dismiss it. And so we take God's word for what it is. It is the word of the Lord. We hold it up in in the highest regard. And when a man speaks and says, this is the word of the Lord, uh, we need to be very, very careful about what we grab onto, what we we grab a hold of, and be careful that we're not equating man's word with the Lord's word. Amen? Amen. This week, We're going to get started. Uh, Last week, of course, we got started back up in our series in Revelation. This week, we're going to get into Revelation chapter 15. But before we do, let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity we have this morning to get back into your word. Lord, I pray this week as we go through Revelation 15, 16, even into 17 a little bit, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that you would cause us to have our mind on you. Let our focus be on your glory. Not so much on the destruction, but on your glorious return. Lord, we thank you that you give us warning. We thank you that you are good and righteous and that you are holy and just. Lord, as we go through this message, speak to our hearts. Let us hold tightly to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning, um, how many remember last week, of course, we went to Revelation chapter 14, and we got into the brutality of Scripture. We got into the brutality of Armageddon. We talked about hell to an extent, Uh there is a vision of the brutality of Armageddon. The language is intense, right? It's purposeful. How many remember the grapes of wrath, right? The blood coming up to the bridles of the horses. It was a vision that showed us in part how the end will play out. How many would like to know how does the end play out? Some, a lot of times we want to know, hey, how, what's the end? How many ever read a book? I want to know what the end is. You know what I do? I just go to the end. Read the first chapter. Yeah, it's a little boring. What happens at the end? Just go to the end. Jackie gets mad at me sometimes to watch a movie. Just fast forward to the end. What happens? I know. Some of you, oh, I'm sorry. Does that cross a line for some of you? Some sort of moral compass is broken when I just fast forward to the end. Anyway, praise the Lord. We like to know what happens. We want to know what happens at the end of the movie. We want to know what happens at the end. We want to know what happens at the end. And if we have a part to play in it, right? We want to know if we have a part to play in it, what is the end? So today, we step back into the tribulation timeline, and we get to see the third set of judgments on the earth. Now, the first set of judgments were called the seal judgments. How many remember those? It was quite a while ago, Gary. So it might, might take some uh, uh, remembering of what the, that is. Uh, the second set of judgments, Bobby, what were those called? Ooh. Anybody remember the second set of judgments? Are called the trumpet judgments. Good job, Bobby. Very good. The third set of judgments, what we're about to get into, are called the the bull judgments amen. No, that was, that was okay. You, you were in the vicinity, so that's good. The Apostle John's vision regarding the bowl judgments starts in Revelation chapter 15 and verse 1. It says this, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous. Say, great and marvelous. Seven angels, having the seven last plagues, For in them the wrath of God is complete. Now, we've been in this series for a few months now. And at some point the question comes up, when do we see an end to the brutality? When do we see an end to the carnage that is found in Revelation? When do we see an end to the judgment, Pastor David? I mean, it's kind of bleak. It's kind of grim. It's not all that enjoyable. When do we get to the end of that, right? It is brutal it is bloody it is desperately sad for those who deny jesus for those who deny the lordship of christ it is desperately sad judgment should not be approached lightly amen judgment should be approached with a sobriety or a sober understanding of the millions upon millions of people who have rejected Christ and will endure an eternity away from his presence, right? We should approach this subject with an understanding. The sign John describes here, he describes as great and marvelous. Great and marvelous. Not because it won't be brutal, Bobby. Not because it won't be Uh, filled with carnage and devastation because it definitely will but because it marks the end of the wrath of God somebody say amen it marks the end of the wrath of God I don't know about you but there is joy in knowing that the wrath of God will be complete amen it's important to understand that the judgments we see in revelation are not as one commentarian said uh God is just blowing off steam. That's not what the judgments are. God's not just blowing off steam. It's not just an angry parent or an angry judge. Everything God does comes from righteousness. Everything God does comes from righteousness. There is a purpose and an aim to the judgment. Revelation chapter uh, 15, verse 2 through 4 says this. And I saw something like this, like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. Now, last week we looked at what could be described as a depiction of hell. Suffering brutality this week we encounter a different depiction Mike we encounter a depiction of heaven and of worshiping now John can only describe the Apostle John the writer of Revelation John the revelator he can only describe in part what he sees but what he can see for sure are those who died because of their allegiance to Christ over the beast Now, so during the tribulation, we talked about the beast. We talked about the mark of the beast. So we have those who have died under that rule, and now they are standing or sitting, I would say, uh, around a sea of glass or what looks like glass. This is the way John describes it, mingled with fire, and that they are on harps and they are singing this song. Now, let's take a brief step back and understand that this is the description of, or depiction of a specific time in the future. It's a specific time. It's unlikely, Mark, that this is the job of those believers for all of eternity. It's unlikely that this is just the only job they have the rest of their life. How many ever played the harp? Me neither. I don't imagine it would be the most enjoyable thing to do. I don't. Can I be honest with you this morning? Listen, if if the picture of heaven that we see is just people sitting around playing the harp for eternity, that doesn't sound like heaven to me. It really doesn't. Some people like the harp, I suppose. I don't think I've ever heard. You know, that's not true. I've heard one person play the harp one time in my life. Have you ever seen somebody play the harp? It's kind of cool. Do you think you could endure it for eternity, Bobby? No, and I, I I, wouldn't either. But it's interesting because, listen, why is this worth mentioning? Because sometimes I think there is a false concept or a false belief of what heaven is and what it will be like. How many have ever seen uh, the picture of a, 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 oh, a movie or a TV show and somebody dies and all of a sudden they gain angel wings and they fly up to heaven and they're given a harp and they sit on the clouds and they... I don't know what they're playing. I'm sure it's something. But I got to be honest, it doesn't seem like heaven to me. And I, and I don't want to get bogged down in the weeds or, or, you know, about what heaven is actually going to be like. Because in reality, we won't know the fullness of it until we're there. Amen? How many are going to be there with me? I hope you all raise your hands. That would be... We don't. We won't know the fullness of it until we get there. I can imagine, it would be kind of funny to get to heaven and, let's see, uh, Mark, you're older than me, so, you know, there's a good chance you'll probably be there before I am. It's kind of how it goes, right? Uh, It'd be kind of funny to go up there and be like, Mark's just up there just rocking on the harp, right? Just rocking. He's like, man, Pastor David, you were wrong. This is what it's all about, Right? who knows listen I believe that of what we can understand right now heaven will be a place of intimacy with God a place of joyfulness in our hearts amen and as we get further into Revelation we're gonna see more of a description what heaven is going to look like we're gonna see more of a description of what the kingdom is going to look like for now we're going to step away from looking at heaven and we're going to look back at the tribulations. The last set of judgments known as the bowl judgments. Say bowl judgments. Revelation chapter 15, verse 5, says this After these things I looked and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came the seven angels having the seven plagues clothed in pure, bright linen and having their chests girded with golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. This is where we understand the bowl judgments. Who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Now, there was some commentary that read into the, the glory of God filled the temple, His presence filled the temple, so that nobody could enter the temple, so that nothing could be taken away from the wrath of God. Until the wrath of God was completed, it could not be changed. What happens next is much like what we've seen before in the first set of judgments and in the last set of judgments. These seven judgments are found in Revelation 16, and they happen in this order. Go to the next slide. Without going verse by verse, which we have done quite a few times now and seeing the first set of judgments, the second set, the third set looks like this. The first bowl is loathsome or gross-looking or putrid or stinking sores. Quite a judgment. The second would be the sea or large bodies of water turned to blood. The third would be the rivers and the streams turned to blood. Otherwise, no fresh water found anywhere. You're going to have to stock up on Mountain Dew. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. Dale's laughing, I'm sure, at home right now. He's like, I'm set, man. Four, this is rough. The sun will scorch men. And burn them with fire. Now, understand that when the Bible says men, he's referring to mankind. Five, tremendous darkness will cover the earth, and there will be tremendous pain. Now, if you look in scripture, it says this that men will gnaw their tongues because of the pain, or they will gnaw their tongues in pain. I don't know if you've ever been in extreme pain where all you can do is gnaw your tongue. Uh, seems rough. Six, the Euphrates River. Say the Euphrates. The Euphrates River. This is is now a location. We have a, a geographical location. The Euphrates River will be dried up to make way for soldiers to meet at Armageddon. Verse 16 says this. And they gathered them together. This is 16 of chapter 16. So at the end of chapter 16, it says, And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. Now, where do we get the word Armageddon? The word Armageddon, uh, many theologians, pastors, teachers have told us very easily that there's the word Megiddo, the Megiddo Valley, and that the Hebrew word for it is Armageddon, so you can see the Megiddo right in there in that word. But I wanted to give you a, an understanding of this beyond my capability. You see, I was in Israel. Well, now it would have been two years ago, or almost two years. Oh, it would November would be two years, but I was in Israel in 2019, and we were at the Megiddo Valley. If you've been to Israel and you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It is an astoundingly beautiful place. I mean, really something to behold. And so this morning, I wanted to give you an in-depth understanding of the Megiddo Valley. I wanted to give you an in-depth understanding of how beautiful it is and where it is and what it means. And so I have a video for you today and it is uh, made by a Bible teacher who lives right on the edge of Megiddo. His name is Amir Sarfati. This video is about 10, 11 minutes long, but it is absolutely it's beautifully made and it's absolutely worth it. So, Mike, uh, go ahead and push play. It gives you an idea or a picture of what Israel looks like. It's a beautiful area, isn't it? Just absolutely stunning. Um, Amir Sarfati was the name of uh, the minister on there. I spoke about this a little bit last week but it was such an amazing place. It's such an amazing thing to be in Israel to see what it was like to imagine the coming war. Now uh, it seems that of course Amir, the host of the video, he believes that uh, that's initially the gathering place but the war will be in Jerusalem. This certainly seems like a possibility. I mean, truly, if we look at Scripture, remember we talked about last week, uh, again, the, the, the blood coming up, the the uh, bridles uh, to the bridles of the horses. We talked about how the blood would extend for 200 miles. And if you think about uh, it seems clear to me that that would cover Jerusalem and then, of course, the Valley of Megiddo, so regardless of where it starts and where it ends, how many know we are given the promise that it will end? Amen? So regardless of, you know, and there, there could probably be some interpretation there, and that's fine. But I wanted to bring up the picture. This is the, that valley. This is that valley. And if you imagine the wars that have been fought there over the years leading towards the end of time or the end of the age, we see that eventually it will come to an end. In verse 17 of Revelation 16, we read then what happens after the war. Verse 17 says this, Then the seventh angel, because there's still one more bowl. That's just six bowls. Now there's one more bowl, and now this happens. He poured his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven, from the throne saying it is done somebody say it is done that's a good thing right the wrath of god the destruction of the earth is done but there's still this bowl and it says this and there are noises and thunderings and lightnings there was a great earthquake such a mighty and great earthquake as had not appeared or occurred since men were on the earth now the great city was divided into 3 parts and the cities of the nations fell and great Babylon was remembered before the Lord before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath then every island think about this then every island fled away and the mountains were not found and a great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone weighing about the weight of a talent. Now, how, how, how big is that? Seventy-five to a hundred pounds. Hailstones, 75 to a hundred pounds. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. The destruction seen here is beyond imagination. I mean, we've seen movies. We've seen 2021. What was, that, was that the name of that movie? 2012, 2021. Sorry, that's this year. Uh, it's not a prophecy. I'm not. Don't don't go there. Uh, 2012. Uh, we've seen we've seen the imaginations of depictions of destruction. Right. We've seen all of that. In reality, what John sees in the vision is likely how it'll play out entirely. But we don't know for sure. We don't see the fullness of it. We don't see all of it. We only see a part of it. This is the end of days. It's the destruction of the old to eventually make way for the new. Amen? Sometimes you have to, get, you have to destroy the old to make way for the new. How many ever try to clean your bedroom before? It always looks worse before it gets better. Amen? There's going to be some destruction before there's going to be the new. Islands are covered. Mountains will crumble. Cities will be destroyed. And those who refuse Jesus Christ will face judgment. What we can rejoice in after all, in this, we, we look at this destruction and this isn't something to rejoice in. The only thing we can rejoice in, in knowing that soon it is done. Amen. It is done. Now. It brings us to chapter 17 so now we're starting to fly through a little bit chapter 17 of Revelation and if you've been following along the language here it's really super confusing incredibly confusing so let's see what it says and then we'll go from there so verse 1 says this then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me talking to John saying, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy. How many confused yet? It can be confusing, right? Having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Still confusing. And on her forehead, a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, And with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. What John sees here is astounding. He is given a vision of a woman and a beast. In all that he sees, he stands there with amazement, in wonder. But he also has no idea what it means.